So how many times did you guys, while watching this movie, just want to yell, I'll buy that for a dollar? <laughs> no? Just me? I did for a minute when it first started, because that was my dumbass thought process. But I, but this is, as the movie started, I was like, did they make this for a dollar? <laughs> well, this is definitely a low-budget Western. It's not fair. Deserts in Mexico cost more than a dollar. <laughs> I probably wasn't even filmed in Mexico. It was probably filmed in Mike's hometown. Probably. Or, or your hometown. It's one of the, either one or the other. I was going to say, Burbank looks different than I remember. Wherever the tax breaks were best, that's where they filmed it. Wherever they got a good tax rebate. Probably in New Mexico, which it's partly set in, in New Mexico. We're here today to talk about a brand new film from legendary manly man director, writer, and producer Walter Hill, who is now 80, and perhaps a little bit long in the tooth, but God bless him, he's still out there trying to get movies made. And he's got a new throwback-style western dedicated to the late Bud Boddicker, so that kind of tells you where he's coming from. This is an old-school western, and depending on how you feel about old-school American-made westerns, that may be a good thing or a bad thing for you. To help me discuss this is Ben. Howdy. Marcos. Hola. And Spider Mike. Howdy, howdy. I thought there would be too many howdies. Glad I changed it. <laughs> howdy used to be how I introduced myself on all the, all our reviews for a long time. Yeah, but this until is until one day I just sort of stopped. But yeah, so it made sense on this one. I wasn't sure how to say howdy in other in the other way. Well, just follow it up with a good yeehaw every once in a while. If the boot fits. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wanted somebody to say somebody had poisoned the water hole. <laughs> it would have made it much more interesting. Well, when our movie starts, it's 1897, and we meet Max Borland, a professional bounty hunter played by Christoph Waltz, who's gone to a prison to talk to Willem Dafoe. He and Dafoe obviously have history. Dafoe's character is in prison because he was put there by Borland. And Borland just goes as a professional courtesy to say, hey, I know they're letting you out tomorrow. And just FYI, if you have any funny ideas about coming for revenge, don't. Willem Dafoe's character says, I'm, I'm done with that life. I'm just going to go to Mexico. I'm going to chill. I'm not going to get into any more trouble. And because it's a movie, you know these guys are going to somehow cross paths sooner or later. Shortly after that, the character of Max goes to meet Hamish Linklater's character, uh, a wealthy rich asshole whose wife has been kidnapped and uh, is being held for ransom. And the job is simple. He rescues the wife, brings her back to the husband, gets paid. But along the way, he realizes that the wife was not kidnapped. Uh, in fact, she's fleeing a bad marriage. So now he has a choice to make. Does he honor his agreement and bring the woman back to a life of subjugation, abuse, and probably death? Or does he protect her even though it's going to put a target on his back? And if at any point during the movie you are in suspense as to what his decision would be, congratulations on having watched your first movie. We have such <laughs> sights to show you. I mean, at the start, it's kind of like the fugitive of like, look, I don't care. <laughs> I'm getting paid. I don't care. Then it's like, but we already know this all bullshit. Like, he's our lead character. Jesus Christ, if he was, it can be more obvious if he was actually wearing a white hat. Yeah. To add to the complication is that the wife, played by Rachel Brosnahan, has fled with a buffalo soldier, a black cavalry soldier, and the husband would not like anybody to know that his wife might have left him for a black man because it's 1897. That's going to damage his reputation and his potential future political career. So Max has to do this very on the down low, very quietly. 
you'd think that's a complicated enough story. But no, along for the ride is Sergeant Poe, played by Warren Burke, a fellow soldier and former friend of Elijah, the man who is the alleged kidnapper. He's coming along for his own particular reasons, uh, but he believes he knows where they're going. They're going to a place in Mexico. And along the way, they cross paths with a vicious landowner played by Benjamin Bratt named Tiberio, uh, who demands a cut of this ransom because any business that goes down in his town, he gets a piece of. Throughout this whole movie, all I kept thinking of was the old uh, saying from film critic Joe Bob Briggs, there's a whole lot of plot getting in the way of the story here. Oh, 100%. Yeah, if it sounds like there's six different plots going on, it feels that way because there's far too many characters with far too much to do but not a chance to do them because it keeps cutting to black like they're different vignettes. It's yeah, it's there's a lot of sequences. Or there's like one of my my favorite scenes, but also felt fucking random as shit. Is um, William Defoe is is uh, is at a card table with the this one British guy who's in the movie. I already forgot the characters. He keeps calling him English Bill because apparently that's what the the Mexicans are calling him. And so it's this great little sequence and then it cuts and then it's just another random scene. Like it feels like a, it feels like a stage play the way it cuts to different sequences because it doesn't flow together at all. Like it's, it literally feels like if, if there was enough time in between, I could picture the people moving the sets around and then going go. And then it's the next scene. (laughs) Well, it's not for lack of trying on Hill's part who just throws out every stylistic trick in the book you know, he uses sepia tone. He uses flashbacks that are shot in this sort of gauzy black and white. Everything's got that, you know, modern day Mexico filter. So everything looks brown and yellow, uh, except for the black and white flashbacks. He uses screen wipes. He uses dissolves. Everything just kind of feels like where there should have been a cut. He's found a way to extend the transition longer than it needs to be. I mean, speaking of throwing everything on top of like everything that y'all have already said they throw every western archetype in this movie you do you like Django? there's two Django's in this movie do you like <laughs> um the the bad villainous like person that owns everything cool he's in this movie do you like the evil gun hand that just kills people for, he, yeah every western archetype that i've seen in the last 30 years they just squished them into this movie for some reason and i don't know why uh, there is the nebulously, you know, law-abiding police officers in Mexico for no good reason. That's another set of characters that just feels like they're so shoehorned into an already busy plot that just, like, they add nothing in any of their scenes, ever. There's so many characters like that who show up, and you're like, what are you even here for? The lawyer is another <laughs> one, for sure, that it's just Yeah, like... the lawyer. He, he gives his whole backstory, by the way, the lawyer. He's like, by the way, the reason all these things are happening is because they sent me because I speak the best. Thing. Like, no one cares. <laughs> like, you literally don't have to say any of this. Can I say the best narrative in this movie that we get the least amount of time with might be Willem Dafoe's. Like, if we got to follow Joe Cribbins as the character who's the whole movie, his arc could have been the best in this movie because it was the most interesting and layered character. Yeah. Yeah. Defoe is always watchable. And if it weren't for that brief scene at the very beginning of the movie, you wouldn't know why he's here until the very end. Just to go back to the lawyer and then how pointless a lot of this things is, they're like, he's here because he speaks English. About 15 minutes later, it's like, no, I can speak English, too. Everything's yeah, Benjamin Bratt's like, by the way, I speak English. <laughs> no, and the way he exits the movie adds nothing either. <laughs> I mean, at one point, you know, the uh, the Mexican uh, landowner and crime boss 
is somehow trying to kill everybody and take over the town, presumably because there's some kind of ransom money. But I think everyone in the movie at that point knows that the ransom isn't happening. There is no fucking money. So at some point I was like, why is he still trying to kill everybody? I mean, it is no fault of this cast, every one of whom is doing their level best to give a good performance. I mean, we've already talked about Willem Dafoe. I mean, Christoph Waltz is like this interesting bounty hunter. Like all bounty hunters, he has a loose morality, but he does have a code of honor. And it's the kind of movie where at some point uh, the Rachel Brosnahan character, another person trying to do as much as she can with an underwritten role, she asks him literally, do you have a code? And he goes, yes, of course I have a code. Like, of course he has a code. (laughs) It's a Western. All of these guys operate on a code. It does feel like the Old West greatest hits by a guy who knows them really well, but who I really expected to do something a little more interesting with it. I want to talk about how weird Warren Burke made me feel throughout this movie. (laughs) He was like, what if I, you know, was the mammiest fucking black character you've seen in a movie in a long time? And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, dude, like pull it back. And there's like... There's a moment where Benjamin Bratt has this American guy or something who goes up to um to intimidate him and then they ADR the word fucker into his line because I'm 90% certain they wanted to use the N word real bad. Yeah. And then somebody finally decided that's a bad idea. <laughs> well, that's part of my problem with this movie is it wants to play that racist card and that racial card about the Buffalo Soldiers and then they ADR'd every bit of racist dialogue. That is perfectly fitting for the time. It's used only by the bad guys. And it's like, you don't actually use this. And it literally, the only time anything actually like gets called out for the racial reason is with uh, is when it gets to being with uh, the husband. And he's like, yeah, you didn't want to go in a way with a black man. Yeah. It's like, that's the first time you've actually addressed this because every other bit of racism is ADR'd. They they actually skirted around it that scene. They didn't. I mean, yes, he does end up saying something racist, but he didn't say it at first. He was like, "I didn't want to run around with a common soldier," and then he's like, "Common black soldier." Is that what you mean to say? That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's such a cop out, though. They're, they're scared of being racist in a movie where it's a big character point. Right. Yeah, he wouldn't have been that embarrassed of his racism. I give Hill and company credit for not going full Tarantino and deciding to just use the N word like you know, throwing it around like glitter at a, at a fucking parade. Like, hey, here's the N-word. You get the N-word. You get the N-word. You all get the N-word. I like that they didn't overuse it, but calling people black is kind of ahistorical for this period, especially coming from the characters who are the most motivated by racism. It's a weird thing that, you know, this film shows, you know, it has nudity, it has violence, it has some bad language, But when it comes to that one thing, they kind of ease off on it. It just feels like they couldn't commit to the racial storyline, which is there for all to see. It's really strange because, yeah, it's it's very much part of the main plot. And then they just don't actually feel like it's telling you that part of it correctly. Like, I don't know. Like, it's it's just like, especially, like I said, with the way Warren Burke plays that sergeant, because you're just like, I feel like you're trying to say something here, but you don't want to say it as like as desperately as you want to <laughs> later on he does reveal that he has a little more going on underneath yeah. that faux exterior 
Yeah, but still, it's just it comes down to the fact that like everything about this movie is baffling to me. It definitely needed a rewrite. There's um like like the 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 sets feel cheaper than I ever thought possible, and I like and I like a good western. I was constantly just being like, well, maybe I can get past some of this stuff, but every time it cuts to some set, I was like, this thing cost somebody ten dollars or something. Everything here feels cheap, and even the flashbacks were fucking weird. Like when it when it when it flashes back to Defoe getting caught. I was like, that's fucking awkward. That's your best take that you had for him getting caught? Because that shit's stupid. And it's also not necessary. Yes, exactly. It's literally, every time there's a flashback, it's why so- it's while someone's telling you the story. And I'm a big proponent of show, don't tell. But if you have the guy already telling it to you, why show it? Unless it's somehow going to reveal something extra or show that the st- the narrator is unreliable it doesn't it's like remember that time you caught me and lying in bed here's a shot of him lying in bed with a gun to his head it's like a family guy flashback sequence <laughs> uh, you know it, it it's very frustrating and to go to mike's cheapness thing even the end title sequence i feel petty for even bringing it up but you know it has that thing where you see frames that are supposed to look like you know, some kind of tasteful artistic representation of the movie, like little paintings. It's like you took stills from the movie and ran it through like Photoshop oil paint filter. They look like the cowboy art at a Texas landing cattle. Oh God, yes. <laughs> it, it was really, really poorly done. And, and the fact of the matter is Walter Hill was once an A-lister. He doesn't have the kind of clout to pull a big budget like he used to. It's obviously a low budget Western. And if you think about the great Westerns, a lot of them were B-pictures. They weren't the most expensive movies. They're shot on the back lot, and they made them because it was cheap. You can just go out to the damn desert, and there's your movie. So I was really rooting for this. But yeah, I, I have to echo some of your all sentiments. I, I think I liked it a little bit better, but it really does feel inherently flawed. Uh, the bullet holes bothered me a lot in this movie. Because no matter where you got shot or what was going on, they looked exactly the same. And there's a scene where there's four people dead, and it's like... Uh, it's like they painted, like they just put stickers on all of them kind of thing. And I was like, <laughs> I was going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is some digital blood in here. And apparently behind the scenes, there were some conflicts between some of the actors and crew and their stunt coordinators. So uh, apparently it wasn't a very tightly run ship as as far as uh, gun safety goes. And after the rust incident, you would think that, my God, people would be a little more careful on set. But you know what? We, we've picked it apart enough. I think this is about the time we should go into our final thoughts. Ben, would you kick us off, please? My pleasure. So I got to say, I signed up for this largely for Hill. I mean, you know, he's got some shit movies in his belt. Lots of directors who've been working as long as him do. But he's also got some of the best B movies around, like Streets of Fire, 48 Hours, Brewster's Millions. I adore those movies. The Warriors. And- that's not even touching on his Westerns, where he has so many good ones there, too. So it's he like, does. cool. Him here with a bunch of great talent that I love. I was really excited for this. And I go into a lot of these reviews without watching any trailers. I was like, I just want to see this. And it is. It's such a mess. Like, I look at the the writing credits being Hill and this guy, Matt Harris, who I looks like he's basically done nothing. So I guess he was the punch-up or the cleanup for him for some reason. It's like, did Hill just write a bunch of characters that he liked in vignettes and this guy tried to put it together into a movie because that's basically what you get here. I mean, we didn't even touch on another character that randomly shows up for the first quarter of the movie, Jack Hannon, who just is given like he's got some value when he wasn't even needed for the script to make any sense. 
but he's given a big enough chunk of the movie where he sticks out to me as well because he's the guy that like they're hiding out with like it's it's constantly that I stick with what we said that I don't think anyone gives a bad performance here everyone is having as much fun as they can acting their ass off I mean Christoph Waltz is doing a great American accent here as someone who's you know, supposed to be an immigrant and then kind of touch on that, even though his accent's actually pretty damn good where it shouldn't matter, but whatever. But I still got to say, Defoe's character is the only one that actually seems to have an interesting narrative going on. And whenever we go back to him, I'm like, I kind of want to see what Joe Kravitz is doing. Yeah, let's do that. Instead of seeing Christoph Waltz walk around as like, yeah, I know what's going on, but my plan's weird and doesn't really have anything of depth to it. That's this movie. It's weird and doesn't have depth to it. It's just... A bunch of well-done performances that I would have liked to be, I don't know, some serialized vignettes on AMC. With that, if you're a fan of Westerns, check it out if it comes out on streaming. Don't pay more money for this. I got to give it uh, 6 out of 10 Derringer Pistols. Marcos? Uh, I mean, what's there to say that we haven't already said? That this movie is just messy in every kind of sense of the way? Like, it's not... I mean, yeah, the uh, the performances are good. But I, I, I mean, if you tell me a good story, I don't care if the performances are bad. And if you tell me a bad story, I don't care that the performances are good. That's just my personal thing. But other than that, it's just they layered too much. There's too much going on in these stories. There's too much uh, happening on every scene. And then it's just somebody just needed to sit, like, I guess the cast or whoever was in charge of this, just be like, hey, let's just go back to the drawing board and then just kind of, like, just streamline the story a little bit. Because it's also really long. Or at least it feels really long. At the end of the day, I mean, I'm not really going to be... I would say you could skip this movie. I'm going to give it like 3.5 out of 10 title drops. <laughs> Spider Mike? Yeah, there's there's so many things that I just... I was so disappointed by this movie. But like Ben, I didn't watch anything about this. I, all I knew is it was a Western. And it involved some great great cast that I was I thought was going to be a great time. Because I'm a big fan of westerns, and so I, well, as soon as it started, I sold the cheap sets, and I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, not every, not every western has like the greatest fucking sets on the planet. But then it just kept getting worse and worse as it progressed to the point where I was just like, oh, I'm in for a bad time. And the entire time, like Marcos, I thought, I thought it felt long too. I was like, oh my god, this movie, like I, like I have to be an hour in. I was like 30 minutes into the movie. And I was just like, oh, my God, somebody fucking kill me. <laughs> and so I kept watching, and I just was like, man, I want to like this so bad. Because everyone else in this movie wants me to like this real bad. Like, Benjamin Brett's having a lot of fun with this. Like, I thought he had a lot of fun, considering what, what he had going on in it. Uh, I think said uh, Warren Burke's Sergeant Poe just made me feel weird. As it progressed, because I just was like, "Man, you're you're such a stereotype with the way you're saying things that it's 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 catching me so off guard, and I can't get past it." Christoph Waltz, honestly, he's doing well, but I thought his character was so flat the whole time, <laughs> and just everything about this movie is just screamed like needed punch up, real bad. It's, it needed somebody to sit down and just be like, "We don't need this. We don't need this. That doesn't fucking matter. Who gives a fuck about this? We don't need any of these fucking flashbacks. Just." Like, no. <laughs> and by the time it was done, I was like, I never want to see this again. And I, if you like Westerns, you might have some enjoyment out of it, but I honestly don't think you'll like it. I feel if you like Westerns, you'll actually like this less because you can pick it apart a little bit more than someone that doesn't know what the genre is. Yeah, exactly. Because even the gunfights aren't all that interesting, like at all. Like everything about, everything that is the Western, that's supposed to be a Western, is not interesting in this movie. It, and that frustrates me more than anything. 
because I I've watched some cheap westerns that I'm like that was a good time because the story was good and the acting meshed together with it and everything stunt wise worked great. I didn't care that the sets didn't look great. I've watched plenty of westerns in my life. This is just gonna be the one that's like that happened. And then <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give it probably the lowest out of everybody. I'm gonna give it two out of ten turtle flasks. I thought mine was gonna be the lowest. All right. <laughs> I hated it. I was like, I can't. It took me multiple tries. Now I have to go even lower. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. Uh, I was a little disappointed. I'm rooting for Walter Hill because you know of his storied career, but this was not his best effort. I think because he's involved, there are moments that do work. I don't think the man's talent has disappeared. But kind of to go off of what Mike said earlier, I don't think this is a stage play at all. It doesn't feel stagey. It feels like what they did was put together enough material for an entire season of television and then condensed it into two hours. And oddly enough, that made everything feel too long. You know, there's no room for the story to breathe. There's too many characters. Everybody's got an agenda. There's way too many subplots. And really, the core idea is so beautiful. The bounty hunter who has to decide whether or not he's going to go against his employers and do the right thing. And there's not even any suspense in that because he learns very quickly that the woman ran away with another man and not the story that he was told. And that's really a bummer for me because I thought if they just focused on that narrative of the guy who was paid to do a job and got lied to and then realizes that he has to do the right thing. I mean, fuck, that's the Mandalorian right there. It, it's an old ass story, but it always works in a Western context. And it just feels like they didn't trust themselves with that simple enough story and added all of these other unnecessary complications. Any one of those subplots might have worked. But taken as a whole, it just didn't work. It's like going to the Baskin-Robbins 64 flavors and trying to cram all 64 flavors into your mouth. You're not going to feel good afterwards. I'm going to give this 4 out of 10 marked cards. Oh man, this was a bummer, you know? Because I'm, I'm always rooting for a good Western comeback, right? And now, ah. I am too. Yeah, same. Go watch Silverado again. Uh, or The Harder They Come, or anything. No, I'm gonna help. Actually, I might end up watching Silverado now that you said that. It's the best town <laughs> fighting off bad guys scene in a movie I can think of. That's pretty good. It's pretty high up there. I mean, it, it, it really sucks that we're like, say they're like, oh yeah, this movie has too much going on. And then in the last 15 minutes, it's like, and then that storyline's gone, and then that one's gone, and that one's gone. <laughs> like, and, and all the showdowns are anticlimactic. Yeah, like, they didn't have, like, a plan even to bring, to tie it all together. Like, it just felt really messy and thrown over, uh, completely thrown around. It frustrated the shit out of me. They keep saying the Western is dead, and God bless that little genre. It keeps saying, I'm not dead yet. Might not be dead, but I won't spend a dollar on this. 